The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We're going to settle into the first meditation now, so if you need to shift to sit more comfortably for the next 15 or 20 minutes, go ahead. As always in loving-kindness meditation, it's really helpful to sit comfortably or lie comfortably. As you attend to your body's posture, take a moment to check in with your internal mind and heart posture, too. Is there a way that you can regard yourself kindly right now? If you're still feeling tensions from the day, from what it took to get here, maybe take a few slow breaths deep in your belly and just let all the air out completely and fully. Let all the tension and the extra thoughts out too. Then just breathe easy, no controlling. Letting yourself ride the gentle waves of the in and out breath. can collect your attention around the center of your chest. Acknowledging whatever sensations or feelings are there. And set the intention for this meditation Focus on goodwill, well-wishing. Right in the center of your heart. Maybe even imagining you can breathe directly in and out of the heart center. Or breathe with the whole body. Breathing in, receiving what is. 
breathing out, letting go, or offering. Calling to mind a person or being who has benefited you in some way. Recollecting some of their qualities or virtues or actions that you're grateful for. Staying connected with an image or a felt sense of this being and with the body breath. Focus your intentions by slowly repeating these phrases in the mind. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be safe from inner and outer harm. May you be at ease. From time to time, settle back. Just notice how it feels to be offering well wishes. If you find your mind wanders, there's no need to judge. See how kindly, gently, you can return your attention to your intention of goodwill, of loving kindness.
letting go of this person. Turn your attention to your own breath and body as if you were seeing yourself through their eyes, their heart. Briefly recollect some of your virtues. Perhaps good deeds you've done, kind actions, or positive qualities or traits. each breath, allow your own intention for kindness to radiate through your whole body, every muscle and cell. Clarifying this intention with the phrases, may I be happy May I be well. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I know ease and joy. Pausing occasionally to be with your body and heart. Listen to your body. Sense how each phrase resonates. And see if you can reconnect with the intention under the words. Letting go for a moment or two of phrases all together now. Soften into the moment. Letting feelings, sensations, thoughts just come and go.
And in the final moments of this meditation, one last phrase and reflection. Just like me, all beings want to be happy, safe, well, at ease. Consider opening the heart's capacity to feel and express love, kindness and appreciation therefore offers a gift to everyone this life touches. Take a moment to appreciate the generosity of engaging in this practice. So today I'm going to focus on loving-kindness practice for ourselves, which we touched on a little bit last week, but um, it's a subject that most of us need a significant amount of time with in this day and age of distraction and all kinds of cultural conditioning that don't necessarily encourage us spend time appreciating ourselves. You may have noticed I asked you to reflect on your own good qualities in that meditation. Um, Appreciating what's good about someone, as you may have noticed in your lives, is a really good way of starting to make friends with them. Being verbal about that. Being open about it. And... um, Many people find it's also a good way to start making friends with yourself if that is something that isn't already true for you. So I'm going to talk about mindfully making friends with our hearts and minds. And there's a couple of um, words in the ancient Pali language, the scriptural language of Buddhism, that speak to this. Mitta and Chitta. Mitta 
M-I-T-T-A, is a cognate of metta, or loving kindness. Mitta means friend, or friendship. And I like it particularly because it, um, it's so close to metta that it really kind of informs the translation of metta. Metta can mean loving kindness, goodwill, friendliness. It has that whole range of meanings. They come from the same root, those words. Chitta rhymes with mitta, and it happens to mean heart-mind. In ancient Indian culture, there wasn't this distinction between the thinking head and the feeling heart. They were considered one process that worked together. And actually contemporary psychology and neuroscience is starting to bear this out. Our emotions are fundamental to our mental and psychological health. We cannot make decisions without them. So it's a lot more intertwined than this sort of classic Western divide between the rational head and the feeling heart suggests. So sometimes when I'm talking about this practice, I'll use the word mind, sometimes I'll use the word heart, and sometimes I'll just say heart-mind. Forgive me, I'm being a little bit fuzzy, but I can't quite make up my mind how I like to say it the best, so you can make up your own mind how you like to hear it the best. Metta for self, in my experience, in my own practice, is one place where loving kindness and mindfulness really meet. So paying attention to our embodied experience, paying attention to our sensations and our mind states and emotions and their effect on us is going to be extraordinarily helpful as you begin exploring, cultivating love and kindness for yourself. What is the effect of an emotion on your body, on your thoughts? What is the effect of a thought on the emotion and on the body? This is a form of um, cause and effect or discernment, wisdom. And there is some wisdom in metta practice. It's often dismissed as being kind of a preliminary practice or a soft practice or just a concentration practice. But practiced with mindfulness, um, it can reveal some pretty profound truths. One of them is actually embedded in the scriptures of Buddhism, which is this notion that self-love is far from selfish. It's actually a foundation of our capacity to exhibit or experience friendliness and love with anyone else, or in some cases, everyone else, right? There's, um, I quoted from this book, I think a couple of weeks ago, The Path of Purification, which is um, one of the old commentaries on the original teachings of the Buddha. It dates from around 500 AD or CE, depending on when you went to school. And um, it dedicates a whole chapter of this big heavy book to loving kindness. And in that chapter, it talks about um, why 
the Buddha recommends we cultivate loving kindness for ourselves. And I'm going to read from that passage. I'm not going to bore you with the entire thing, but I'll do my best to kind of shorten it on the fly here. If he or she develops loving kindness in this way, I'm happy, or may I be happy? Just as I want to be happy and dread pain, I want to live and not to die, so do other beings too. Making herself the example, she then desires for other beings welfare and happiness. That sincere wish arises in him or her. So, a practitioner should first, as an example, pervade themselves with loving kindness. So, I like that passage because it points to something that feels really fundamental to me. It is enough for us to wish ourselves well to improve our own lives and hearts and minds. But that's not the only reason to do it. It's for the sake of everyone else that we do it, for the sake of the insight, of the understanding that all beings want this, that we're connected by this wish. That's actually why the practice was originally developed in this way, was to cultivate that understanding. So it's not just a feel-good It's actually a source and a kind of wisdom, too. Um, This kind of development of greater empathy is actually something I experienced myself some years ago. Um, Early in my practice, I um, was dealing with an acute phase of a chronic pain syndrome. And it completely changed my life. It knocked me off of my old life and has a lot to do with why I'm sitting here right now, actually. Part of my response to that was to go to India, which I'm not sure how many of you have been to India, but it's a different world in a lot of ways. (laughs) And um, I was in search of healing. I did a lot of meditation. And I found something interesting sitting up in the Himalaya in North India meditating one day. Up until that point, when I was meditating on my body's experience, I was always a little bit aversive to the pain, the physical pain, and of course then there's the emotional pain that goes with having physical pain. And there was like this little current of blaming myself because it came out of a repetitive strain injury, so technically it was my fault, right, for typing too much. But on this morning, for whatever reason, the pain came up in my hands, and instead of having one of those responses, the heart just spontaneously directed love towards the hurt part. And something really shifted. It was just for a moment, but after that, I found myself more able to see the suffering around me, and there is a lot of suffering to see in certain parts of the Himalayan subcontinent. 
But what was even more interesting than that was opening myself up to empathically understanding and being with the suffering of the other people around me made that pain smaller. It took up less space in my heart and mind because I wasn't so concerned with only my own condition anymore. So um, I want to encourage you as you do this practice of loving-kindness for self to really stay open to how it helps or changes your relationship in your mind and heart to others. It benefits them and then it circles back and it benefits you. So many of us have our own versions of personal pain, right? There's as many different flavors of it as there are human beings. Um, Ajahn Suchito has a little bit to say about relating to that, which I'd like to share. I read from this book a couple of weeks ago. It is freely available online, and the link is actually on the handouts today. When we hold ourselves with the mind of goodwill, we don't have to feel intimidated and compelled to prove ourselves. We've all been small, weak, stupid. We've been totally irresponsible infants, awkward adolescents, made a mess of things, lied, cheated, maybe even killed. Yet, we changed. These were all visitors and forces that occupied the mind. There's no denying the responsibility for allowing one's mind to become so occupied. But our current responsibility here is one of cultivating virtue, discernment, and kindness, not of obsessing and sustaining a burden of guilt and denial. One of the major healing tools for this process is metta. With metta, we take on the world, ourselves, with non-aversion and non-projection. We can accept the presence of petty-mindedness, the guilt, the anxiety as visitors that just happen to be conditioned into the mind and work with them. Then there's nothing to hide from or dread anymore. This is a more useful approach than going through another round of anguish, self-hatred, or defensiveness. By calming these reactions, metta enables us to penetrate to and ultimately remove the root cause of ill will, often towards ourselves, underneath the complexes. So what Suchito is pointing to is that we have a choice in how we relate to our experience. And that being with the unsavory parts of who we think we are can actually be quite transformative. In making that choice to be with all of ourselves, loving kindness often ends up taking on more of the form of another one of the Brahma Viharas, the sublime abidings, 
And that form is compassion. Compassion is loving kindness aimed at suffering. So, I'm not going to get into what is compassion. That's a whole talk right there. But um, self-compassion is a really key part of metta. Especially metta for self. And there's a contemporary scientist, um, Kristen Neff, who does a lot of work on self-compassion. And I liked her really simple definition, which is self-compassion is treating yourself with the same kindness and care that you would treat a good friend. So maybe just hold that in mind. There's a couple of key skills that can help us get to this place because we don't always start there. The first one, which is actually a really helpful skill in all of meditation, not just loving-kindness, is to let go and begin again. This is an experiment. If it's not working, it's okay to, if you even need to, open your eyes, wiggle, plunk down again mentally, and start over. That is always okay to do. And it's often skillful to just take a little breath and say, okay, starting over. Another um, technique, I guess you could say, um, that's helpful in self-compassion in particular is to use gesture. And this actually comes from an article in Scientific American Mind called Be Your Own Best Friend. People have studied many things, and one of the things they have studied is that if we place our hands over our heart center for, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds, and really focus on the meeting, on the contact there, it actually generates a sense of self-compassion. It's fleeting, but all emotions are, actually, unless we keep feeding them with our thoughts. So this is something, whether or not you have time to meditate, you probably have time to do. And many people actually do this while they're meditating, particularly loving-kindness meditation. The advanced version of this move, if you have the guts to do it, is this. (laughs) Oh, come on, you can try it. I'm doing it. (laughs) Give yourself a hug. Um, This works really well at work if you go into a bathroom stall. No one needs to know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking a little. These can be little things you do during the day, or if you're, something really hard comes up in meditation, it's okay. You can just say, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we are creatures of physiology. Let's use it wisely, right? So... Invoking those kind of gestures physically works really well. Or sometimes in meditation, you can just imagine doing it too. And that also works. This gives you more of the endorphin hit, but encourage you to play with how you imagine your body being when you're meditating. So... um, 
there's one more kind of pre-practice to metta that many Westerners find really helpful. So, so far we've got the compassion, we've got using certain gestures. Uh, We have letting go and beginning again. This practice most likely comes actually out of the Judeo community, the Jewish community. And that is forgiveness practice. Um, It is virtually unknown in Asia, at least the parts of Asia where Westerners are not super common. But it's widely practiced in the West. I'm going to just mention it. We're going to try it in a minute, but I'm going to focus in on self-forgiveness practice. We'll get to forgiving others in a couple of weeks when we get to the difficult person. Um, But forgiveness practice is the same kind of meditation we've been learning. It uses phrases, it uses the energy, you can use the breath, all that in the exact same way. It's just that the phrases are different words. It may or may not be necessary for you. But if you have difficulty connecting to practicing loving kindness towards yourself, and there's a lot of, shall we say, unkind mental chatter involved with that, guilt or self-berating or the like, this is one area, one thing that you can try that softens things up. Some people stay with this practice for a year. Some people try it for a couple of days and go, hmm, maybe not. But even those of us who try it and don't think that we have anything to forgive after a week or two might find, oh, you know, there is that one thing. (laughs) Why the heck did I smoke cigarettes when I was 18? Or whatever it was, right? So those are some ideas. We're going to give them a try in just a minute. But I think what I'd like to ask you first is if you want to stretch, take a short break. Now is also a very good time to grab a handout because we're going to be using them later. And they're at the end of the stage as So as you're settling back in, go ahead and take a comfortable posture. um, We're going to go straight into the second meditation of the evening and try out some of the practices we just talked about. Forgiveness practice, the compassion practice. So this meditation is intended um, to give you some tools to add to your loving-kindness meditation can use them at the beginning or in the middle or whenever you need to. So settling yourself in and closing your eyes. Remembering your internal posture, too, to regard yourself kindly. Set a conscious intention to let go of the activity, to be here, to wish yourself well. 
And then breathing naturally. Collect your attention around the center of your chest. If it's helpful, place one or both hands over the center of your chest or your heart. Acknowledge, notice the contact between the hands that serve you every day and the heartbeat and life's breath that sustains you every moment. Perhaps you might imagine you could breathe directly in and out of the heart, or even with your whole body. Allow yourself to settle into the rhythm of the breath. Bringing to mind, again, a being who has benefited you. Briefly recall or internally list some of their good qualities or actions you're grateful for. And staying connected to the breath and body. Slowly repeating phrases one at a time. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be safe. May you be at ease. Allow any warm feelings or sense of appreciation to grow. If it feels natural, it's okay to gently smile. to your own breath and body. Perhaps visualize or sense yourself as if you were seeing you through their eyes.
bringing to mind a relatively minor time, perhaps recently, when you were feeling left out, hurt, or embarrassed, perhaps over a mistake or a miscommunication. Allow yourself to gently call up and be with any of the emotions or feelings that washed over you then. See if you can regard yourself kindly gently in light of these feelings, this experience. Clarifying your intentions with these phrases. For whatever harm, knowingly or unknowingly, I have done others, I forgive myself. For whatever harm, Knowingly or unknowingly, I have done others. I forgive myself. For whatever harm, Knowingly or unknowingly, I have done myself. I forgive myself. For whatever harm, Knowingly or unknowingly, I have done myself. I forgive myself. Staying with any emotions or sensations that are present.
wish any hurt or stirred up parts of you, kindness and compassion. Repeating perhaps some of the following phrases slowly. If it's helpful, perhaps hugging yourself or cradling or holding one hand in another. May I be free from suffering. May I be free from fear. May I see the gift in each difficulty. From time to time, it's okay just to say, it's okay. It's okay. with the same tenderness. See what it feels like now to simply wish yourself well. May I be happy. May I be healthy as much as possible. May I be safe. May I know ease and joy. Letting go now of any phrases. Settle in to this moment. Just notice. Gently acknowledge whatever is there. Allow the breath to move through. 
sensations, thoughts, emotions to come and go. As we end this meditation, perhaps reflect all beings everywhere wish to be free from suffering, wish to be at peace. Each of us, all of us, are connected by this common wish no matter what our appearances, our behaviors, or our circumstances. As um, that meditation may suggest to you, loving kindness is not just um, affirmation or Pollyanna or sweetness and light, rainbows and unicorns. It can get into some tender spots in our hearts. I'm wondering if anyone wants to share anything about either what that was like for them or have any questions about it while we're together. Anybody? Please also say your name if you're comfortable doing so. Hello? Yes. I'm... Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm Kyle. Hi. Hi, Kyle. Um, so I just noticed it was interesting. Uh, I felt it a couple other times when we've done this too, but it was uh, particularly this time that uh, sort of when I first start, there's this wave of anxiety or stress, and as we get deeper into it, it starts to fade away, and there's an accompanying really powerful feeling. I think it's just relief. I don't, I'm not actually sure it's like an emotion, but it's, it's surprisingly potent. And for a moment there, uh, I feel like I'm going to lose it a little, you know, just be overwhelmed. Uh, particularly this time during that part where we thought of the, the negative thought and then sort of tried to let it go. That worked really well, but it was sort of almost overwhelming. Does that happen? Has anybody ever sort of been visibly overcome during the course of this meditation. I'd be a little embarrassed if I started crying in the middle of our 
private meditation session. I don't know. Um, it's quite common for people to cry on retreat during this meditation. And not unknown for people to cry during a class or a day long. Um, all kinds of tender spots get touched. Bliss can arise. Sadness can arise. Anger can arise. Metta is known as a purification practice. Which means that in the process of cultivating love and kindness, we often run into everything else too. So it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong, Kyle. (laughs) It means it's doing its thing. And um, my own experience with it is to um, respect where you're at and let it come through to the extent that it feels healthy and then back off. And your channels will get bigger. Your ability to hold things will get bigger. And that is one of the ways that that happens is by noticing and respecting and just giving space to whatever is moving through. Does that help? Great. Anybody else? Jim, yes. I found out uh, today that the uh, one-third of uh, insight meditation following uh, the two-thirds of this uh, can be very helpful. Uh, I'm not sure in what way it was helpful, but it was very eventful for me this morning in the half-day retreat. Um, I uh, was thinking about somebody who was very good to me and uh, that I felt very appreciative of and so I was exhaling loving kindness to him and uh, and then I got stuck and uh, and it was just sort of nothing much happening for the rest of that meditation then I switched to the insight meditation and I became very agitated mm-hmm. um, I was tapping into something I haven't got to the bottom of it yet but uh, but obviously they were connected. So when you were tapping into the insight meditation, um, how were you relating to the agitation itself? I was just trying to uh, experience it in full. Great. It sounds like something is working itself out, and you don't sound particularly upset about it, so... (laughs) I think uh, that is, uh, I forget what they call it, it's not, faith is the wrong word, but it's the opposite of the, uh, of the um, doubt, of the five. Uh, uh, trust is another word that's used, yes, trust or confidence. Right. Yeah, Pasada is the Pali, so wonderful. One more, anyone, or shall I? Keep talking at you. Yes. Hi. Hi, I'm Chris- Christina. Can you hear me? That's Christina. Um, something that I noticed uh, while we were doing the meditation, I'm not quite sure if this is a question or comment, but there was a section where um, you had asked us to think of a circumstance where we had felt left out or is hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I, I found myself kind of thinking of that circumstance and kind of all of the emotions that went with that. But then it was interesting because I was almost expecting uh, the next part to be about forgiveness. And I think like it ha- almost had a mental, had to stop really in, when we turn towards ourselves um, and towards forgiving ourselves and not like the person or circumstances that created the feelings of hurt um so i don't know if you'd like if you'd like to speak to that or that's just something mm-hmm. that i experienced and wondered if that's kind of something that happens a lot so uh, i i kept the forgiveness meditation very simple because we we're focusing on ourselves but it's in daily life, I don't necessarily... You can intentionally call up hurt feelings and work with them, but I introduce that meditation more as a way of introducing the ability to work with forgiveness practice. So you don't have to sit there and call up negative things. Negative things often come up on their own. And it's a lovely idea to go ahead and offer the forgiveness to the person or the situation. If it's not a person, sometimes it's kind of impersonal, right? Um, if indeed someone else was the cause, and if you were the cause to yourself, uh, absolutely. In any case, it's often helpful to wish oneself compassion. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. So... I think... um, Next week, we're going to do, I'll do a little bit of a troubleshooting talk for part of our time together. So, um, if you have particular issues that are coming up blocking your practice, I encourage you to bring those in and we can talk about them. Okay. Um, One of the key tools in loving-kindness practice is creativity. And that's one of the things that really sets it apart from traditional mindfulness practice. There are ways of getting creative in one's approach to mindfulness practice. However, most of it is about accepting what is and noticing what arises, right? Loving-kindness has a lot more tools in the toolkit, as you may have noticed. And... um, The phrases, for example, are tools, right? They're focusing mechanisms, among other things. For our intentions, for our wishes. As I've been kind of pointing to the last couple of weeks, intentions also appear as sensations and energy in the body. And um, feelings in the heart, right? So when you're using phrases, it might be helpful to really sometimes drop underneath the words and sense into the energy behind what it is you're saying. Don't just stay on the discursive level, but to drop underneath. Um, One analogy I could use is phrases are kind of like dried tea. If you chew on or smell dried tea, you'll get something, but not very much, right? Not that interesting. (laughs) If you infuse it in water, a lot more scent and fragrance comes out and a lot more flavor. Our bodies, 
the energy within us, the sensations, our hearts, that's the juice, that's the water. The phrases provide the flavor. You have to have both to really make this practice work. That's my own experience. There are people who just say the phrases and eventually they get quite a return on it. But um, I find for myself and for many people I know it goes a lot deeper if we really sink into our embodied experience at the same time. Science actually bears this out too. Um, Empathy for ourselves and other people is largely based on being in direct contact with the sensations that make up our emotions. Um, This is physiologically shown. We've got mirror neurons and resonance circuits and many of you, I'm sure, have felt the impulse to do something you see someone else doing, especially, say, on the dance floor, right? So... It's that process, and we can use, we can hook into that process in our own practice, and it's a much deeper form of learning then. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is to pair up with someone, if you're willing to, and you can always opt out of our dyad pair-ups here. And before you do that, I'm going to explain what we're going to do, okay? Okay. First of all, if you can't find a partner, stand up and start walking towards me, and the problem will probably solve itself. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll make it solve itself. (laughs) Um, But what we're going to do is brainstorm some phrases, internal gestures, or images that you think might help you really connect to this practice. It doesn't have to be anything I've come up with. It can be goofy. In fact, I kind of like it if it is goofy. You don't have to tell me, but it would make me happy. Um, There is a, he shall remain unnamed, but very prominent Dharma teacher who once told me during a practice discussion that he invented a cartoon character in his mind called What Is Will Be. And the cartoon character would shoot thoughts to identify them and knock them out of the sky. Okay? The sky has written books and teaches to huge, huge Dharma halls. So if you know, someone with 40 years of meditation experience can be goofy? I promise you can. <laughs> um, so please find someone. I'll give you about eight minutes, so four minutes a person. Um, and the reason I asked you to have the handouts is if you have a pen or paper, there's actually blanks on one side next to the phrases where you can write your ideas down or steal your partner's ideas. Okay?